morning. Uh, my name is Justin. I am one of the elders and pastors here at uh, Peninsula Grace and thought about bringing Lucy up with me, but Ross just made it look challenging. So she's in the nursery. Um, but man, it is sweet to be together. If you have your Bibles, you open to Acts 2. As Ross mentioned, that's what we'll be hanging out this morning. We're calling today Vision Sunday. It's sort of like casual Friday, uh, but we'll be slightly better dressed. Um, this is also to prepare us for Mission Weekend, as Ross mentioned, just so excited about what's coming here in the next uh, week. But we want to zoom out this morning and ask the question, like what, like literally what on earth are we doing here? Uh, what is the purpose of our lives? Specifically, if we are followers of Jesus, um, who are we and how are we to live uh, our lives? I know a family that's going through a lot right now. Um, it's, a, it's a Christian family, right? On, on the surface, everything looks put together. Both parents have decent jobs. Um, the kids all have decent grades. They come to church most Sundays, unlike what we found last week, unless the Chiefs are pa- playing, apparently. <laughs> but uh, when you peel back some of the layers, uh, the oldest child was recently caught in a pornography addiction and has been sneaking out late at night to party with friends. The next oldest came out to some friends as same-sex attracted, and the parents blew up when they found out. The child after that is racked with anxiety and won't even leave the house and is admitted to suicidal thoughts. The parents themselves, after looking like they'd had the model marriage for several decades, just had their first heated discussion about divorce. He's proven to be an absent and neglectful father and husband. She's developed an eating disorder and has been in a pretty emotionally involved relationship with a male coworker. Turns out they're not a family that has it all put together after all. Now, that's not an actual family I know, um, for the record, if you were going, who, wait a second, who is the, uh, I would never go into that kind of detail about a family, so just breathe out, right? Um, but I, I did probably, right, paint a pretty believable picture in 2024. And, and, and we ask, what's the central problem in that family's life? Or, or maybe even the bigger question, um, what is the central problem on earth today? And it's not the wars in the Middle East or the Ukraine, as, as awful as those are. It's, it's not the ensuing political bloodbath that will inevitab- inevitably be election 2024, It's not addiction, it's not loneliness, it's not human trafficking, it's not transsexuality. Our main problem at the core is sin. And and the reason all those other problems exist is because of this deeper and more fundamental problem of us not worshiping God as He is due. And it's only when we rightly worship Him as he's worthy of being worshipped, that worship shapes the way we live every aspect of our lives in love. And that's the place where we find the world as it should be. And the only solution to fixing that problem is Jesus Christ. Believing in him for new life and following him as king. And so our goal as, as the capital C church, like every believer, every disciple on earth is to see everyone or as many people as possible become followers of Jesus. Or as we word it in our mission statement as a church, is to help the broken find wholeness that can only be found in the person of Jesus 
But how do we actually do this? That sounds nice, but how do we walk that out in mission together as a family? That's what I want us to talk about this morning. We've been teaching Lucy the good old song, Deep and Wide. Where are my church kids at? Right? You know the song? Deep and wide, deep and wide. There's a fountain flowing deep and wide. And then you slowly take out a word at a time and add mmms in until you're just mmm and mmm, mmm and mmm. There's a mmm, 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 mmm and mmm. You do it 20,000 times, you get, you get it down. Um, if we, listen, if we as a church family are going to take the gospel, mm, if we're going to go wide, we first have to go, mm. we first have got to go deep with the gospel. Let me explain what I mean. 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says this, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Um, Paul says, and he knew the axiom, that we cannot lead someone farther than we are ourselves. They could only follow his example to the degree, or ought only follow his example, to the degree that he was following in Christ's example. That he couldn't call the church family there in Corinth into a Christ-likeness that he himself wasn't first modeling. As a a state representative uh, that we know once said, be the change that you want to see. Right? Or as a poet once said, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. Right? <laughs> we know that a basketball coach can't lead his team beyond um, what, what his own understanding of the game, right? Like a guitar player, uh, they can't uh, pass on the chords and the, and the bars and, and the notes that they don't first themselves uh, have down. And the parent can't parent beyond their own maturity. And, and we're, we're not primarily talking about just an information dump, because we know that way more is caught than taught, right? And that, notice that's why Paul doesn't say, follow my words. He says, follow my example. We cannot lead people further than we are in life ourselves. And so that's why, man, the best way, the best way for me to be a faithful pastor to reproduce healthy church members is for me, first and foremost, to become a healthy church member. How do I do that? I endeavor to love Jesus, to follow Jesus, to grow in Christ's likeness. And I set an example in the way that I live out, because you're going to know if this rings false. If what I'm saying up here doesn't track with the way I'm living, And and likewise, the best way for us as a faithful church, if we want to reproduce healthy disciples and and healthy churches, we ourselves must be a healthy, growing church. How do we do that? Well, we love Jesus and we endeavor to follow Jesus together, not just individually, as a family. And, And that's why, I mean, the hypothetical family that I mentioned earlier, they don't just need to heal individually, they also need to learn how to be a healthy family. How to love one another, parent to child, sibling to sibling. Because we can only grow, it's only as we grow, mm, right, deep, as a family of disciples can, we begin to go, mm, wide, to invite others to follow us along. God's solution for the world's central problem of sin is, is Jesus. And Jesus today is actively growing, mm and mm, his church family. Just like that mustard seed that Jesus talked about, of this kingdom, of, of peace and love. It's slowly but surely growing through the one avenue he's chosen, his bride, the church. So what does this look like in actuality? 
what we're going to look at this morning. And so we turn to the only place where we can uh, for this, um, this understanding. We're going to go to the book of Acts, and we're going to see how they loved then, how to love actually. Do you see the play on words there? I, th- I thought you'd catch that. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, uh, we're going to look at this, and as you're turning there, I want to first look at the context. So, beginning of Acts here, Jesus has died, he's risen from the dead, he's ascended to heaven, his church is born, and now the Holy Spirit is indwelling this new temple, the people of God. Peter preaches this gospel, and out from hearing this gospel, people believe and they get baptized. And that's the verse right before ours, uh, our context today. It says, those who believed the, the, uh, what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. The church is born, and 3,000 members strong out of the chute. And the passage we're going to read this morning is a snapshot of what that infant church looked like, an example for us to follow. But I also, that's the context, I also want to give a caveat, because we often prop this, this passage up as though that early church was all the Christian Von Trapps, making clothes out of curtains, and like it's just this giant Disney musical, they're all just happy all the time. Well, this was what I would call an idealistic snapshot of the early church. We have several of these in the book of Acts. Keep reading the book and then the other New Testament letters. The church is just as much of a hot mess back then as we are today. They had incest, there was immorality, division, false teaching. They were just as jacked up as we are. They did not look like the Von Trapps. They looked a little bit more like this, right? I love the wailing child there in the middle. Where are the parents? But this is, this is the powerful grace of God, right? Like this is why Paul says in 2 Corinthians, the treasure that we have of the very person of God is, in, is indwelling what? These jars of clay. These jacked up, messy, in process jars of clay. And he does this, why? Man, to show that the all-surpassing power is not from this jar. It's from my God from my savior and king and he delights in working through jars of clay i'm not going to sing the song to love actually the normal church is just trying to do what jesus said which is why it must be by the power of the holy spirit in us and what we see this morning is this church family portrait and in it i see five traits that i believe we as a church today are called to walk out we use the acronym grace to grow in the grace and knowledge as peter says of christ jesus so let's look at this acronym it's going to be out of order but don't worry it'll eventually get there so the first one is gospel-centered learning acts 2 look at verse 42 they the early church devoted themselves to the apostles teaching the apostles teaching these are those core disciples of Jesus, and, and you might say, well, what was their teaching? Because then the New Testament hasn't been written yet, right? These, some of these guys are going to be the ones that do the writing. So what are they teaching? Well, everything Jesus taught them, right? Back to Matthew 28, when he sent these disciples, these apostles out, he said, go baptize as you make disciples of all nations, and then he says, teaching them the disciples you're going to make to obey everything that I, Jesus, have commanded. And so they are to learn. They are to devote themselves to what the, disciples, the apostles are teaching. Now, why would they do this? Well, I love Jen Wilkins' line, the heart cannot love what the mind does not know. Our ultimate prerogative is to love Jesus with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? But we, we got to know who he is so that we can love who he actually is and what he's actually called us to do and to be. Now, 
in, in this context, the classroom uh, was not the, the teaching learning environment centrally. It was a rabbi-disciple relationship. So think more of like an apprentice that's learning a trade, that's coming alongside, and, and they're, they're living life together. This was about whole life transformation. Again, not just information dump. And this is what you and I are called to, to be learners and teachers. Every single one of us. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, we are called to be disciples and called to make, to devote ourselves to the teaching, to learn it so that we can pass it on. Others would follow our example as we're following Jesus's. And so what we want to offer this morning is just some of the central avenues or ways we do this as a church. We are not saying these are the ways to do it. You can't reduce discipleship to a program, but we got to start somewhere, right? Gravity isn't just going to take us this way. So what are some intentional ways we walk this out as a, as a, as a family? Well, a couple of ways we provide here, we call them learning tracks to learn, right? Whole life discipleship. So Wednesday nights, we have these classes that we gather together and we talk about what does the Bible mean and how do we live this out together uh, the rest of the week. And then we also, this is our second year of what we call, we're calling an apprentice track. This is those who are taking their walk with Jesus deadly seriously and want to grow and be equipped and empowered to make other disciples. And we're just coming alongside and helping in that process with one another. The second thing I see here is a compassionate community. Let's move down to verse 42. It also says they devoted themselves after the apostles' teaching. Look at your Bible there. To the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And then you jump down to verse 47. It says they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. They liked being together. God created you and I for community to be with him and with one another through him. And Jesus is now in the process of redeeming us back into this kind of community. And man, this portrait shows that the early church constantly gathering together, eating together, praying together, enjoying each other. And there is no substitute, guys, for time and proximity. If we're going to cultivate this kind of genuine, compassionate community, we got to be together, right? Time and proximity. As, as Andy Stanley once said, uh, we cannot one another in rows. This kind of genuine community, what he was saying is on Sunday mornings, we're sitting here in the pews or fold-out chairs. we got new comfier ones, right? You're, you're welcome. But as, as sweet as it is to be together today for these 75 minutes, this isn't where we can really walk out these one another's because you're all being quiet listening to me. And, and thank you for that. But, but there's deeper life, right? I love this, this statistic, and I've found this to be true in my experience here at Peninsula Grace. That 90% of churchgoers will only become church stayers to be plugged in and remain plugged in in the body if these three things are happening. The first one is that they believe and know the gospel. It's got to be centered around the good news of Jesus, right? But then beyond that, the second one is that they must belong to a subgroup, something outside of the Sunday morning where you can really start to do these one another's in small groups and teams. And then finally, they make four to five friends, like genuine friendships in Christ. Otherwise, it's my preaching, our worship together, the children's programs, they will not sustain, at least not in a deep, meaningful way. And we'll float along to the next place. Why? Now, now what's also interesting, though, is, is this is unexpectedly, this is Jesus' evangelism method. That, that he says several times as we've been walking through John, he says, the way the world will know 
that you are my followers and that my Father sent me. He says, if you love one another. Isn't that amazing? The way we show the world the good news is by the way we treat each other. Like, because you know it, right? Most people's beef with the church today is the rampant hypocrisy. That we say one thing, but we live another. If we're not living this out, you know, you know the tried and true axiom of people don't care how much you know if they don't know how much you care. We love them, but we evidence this in the way that we love one another. And so what are some avenues for walking this out here as a church body? Well, one of them is our community groups. Uh, once a week, it's 12-ish uh, brothers and sisters and their kids meeting together uh, to eat, pray, love, right? It's the Julia Roberts method. We just get together together. We gather, we just enjoy a meal, we learn to like each other, right? We just be together, and it is so sweet to be able to bear one another's burdens and encourage one another. And then the step deeper into intimacy from there is what we call our discipleship triangles. And this is three or four guys, three, three or four gals getting together um, on a regular basis just to grow together. To, to walk out this genuine compassion as we confess sin to each other, as we grow in Christ's likeness together, just doing life together as, as friends. Remember, we need those, that core group of intimate friends. Compassionate community. Number three, awestruck worship. Awestruck worship. Look down at verse uh, 43. It says, everyone was filled with awe. That's where we get that word. We filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed by God through the apostles. And then you jump down to verse 46. They were devoting themselves to meeting together in the temple. This was the place of worship. And then verse 47, what are they doing? Praising God. They're worshiping God, praising God in awe of what God is doing. And this, is the, this letter A is in the center of the word grace. And likewise, our learning and growing together is centered around an awe of what God is up to by his powerful grace in these jars of clay. And just us continually going, wait, God just did that? No way. Like, God just saved that person? God just did that through me? Like, no way. And this is, this is our whole life is to be centered around worship. But one of the primary avenues that we do this, of course, is what we're doing right now this morning. It's why we call it our worship service. So we gather together to wor- ascribe the worth to God that he is due. We call it our weekly pep rally. To then go out from here back on mission as a community. But I want to underscore this 75 minutes is not the sum total of worship. We are called into a whole life worship. Romans 12 is my favorite definition of worship. Paul says, offer your bodies to, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. We're doing it together right now, but all week long we surrender ourselves to God. And that act of surrender unto his love and will is our act of worship. And the fourth thing we see here is egoless servanthood, just like this, this young one egolessly serving with an apple to her friend. That is beautiful. Verse 44, now all believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, you say, are these the first Christian socialists? No, they sold what they owned, so just chill out, right? And don't miss the point. Um, they, and they saw everything they owned as gifts from God to generously share with those in need, just like Jesus generously shared his own life with us so that we might live 
with our God. How do we practice this as a body? There's 45. Um, avenues at our church, we call them ministry, to minister, to serve right, other people. That we would use the gifts and passions and time that God has given us for the benefit of others. And so maybe that's discipling, loving our teenagers, our children, our hospitality team loves and helps meet the needs of those in our body. The mission team, as you've already heard from earlier today, is helping meet the needs generously of those outside of our body. These are avenues to step into practice this thing together. But again, these are not just church programs that we're talking about. Galatians 5 talks about serving one another humbly in love. Without ego, we are called to put others' needs before ours, just as we see the generosity here in Acts. And then finally, to reproduce disciples. Notice the effect, notice the result of the church living this way in community together. Look down at verse 47. And every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is so incredible. How, what was their evangelism strategy? Like, what were they doing? This was not some massive door-to-door ministry. They weren't canvassing Jerusalem, inviting them to an ancient bouncy house, kids event thing, a Jewish Billy Graham crusade. No, they were simply being a healthy church. And as they did that, they added to their, no, what does it say? The Lord added each day to their number those who were being saved. Our command is not to save. I'm not Jesus, and neither are you. As we've been learning in in the book of John, our command is to love one another as he first loved us. And church, as we do that, as we love, he saves. Our job is to love. His job is to redeem. Obviously, this was a unique moment in history as the church is exploding right there in Jerusalem. So we're not expecting the exact same outcome, but do we not serve the same God? And therefore, if we follow these same principles, we can expect that same God to show up and do the same signs and wonders of raising the dead and adding to our church family the bride. This is what our God is up to. and What a privilege that we can be a part of it. So how do we do this? What are our avenues? We already talked about our loving one another as being our witness to the world. Then our evangelism strategy here is very simple. We call it pray for your three. Pray for your three. So who are three people that you know, that you have relationship with, that don't know Jesus, that have not yet found life in Christ? And I would, just, I would, I would implore you to pray for them every single day. Put a note in your phone, stick a, thing in your, stick a note in your Bible, whatever it is. Keep them on the forefront of your mind. Ask the Lord to be an example before them. Look for opportunities to share your faith, but mostly we're praying to the one who can save that he would do his resurrection miracle in them. Because as we say, we're just no, we're no better than them, right? Evangelism is just simply one beggar telling the other beggar where they found the bread. And listen, as we learn to savor the bread of Jesus more and more, this is going to become a natural outflow that we're going to want to pass him along. How do we do this as a church body? Well, two years ago, 2022, we, we developed this, um, this vision uh, for our, our church. And, and we, so we're year three now, or eight, eight years away from, um, from this, this 10-year vision. 
So we just wanted to briefly mention this. If you go to our website under About Us, this is there uh, on the website as well. You can check it out. But just to kind of recalibrate where we're at and where we believe the Lord's taking us. And all this is based on his word, right? I didn't get some divine revelation. The elders didn't see some vision. We're just unpacking the principles we see in the Bible and just saying, how do we put feet to this thing? That's all we're doing, right? So we believe God's vision for Peninsula Grace Church is to be a gospel-centered community, reproducing disciples of Jesus. That's why this language we try to use all the time, that we're a community centered around the good news of Jesus that's going out to reproduce, to make disciples who make disciples. Our passion is to obey what God clearly laid out in his word in the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And we do this through his specific commandment to us in the church age to to make disciples of all nations. That's how Jesus said we walk this thing out. We make disciples who make disciples. And then to the glory of God, through faith in the work of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, our triune God, our mission is to help the broken find wholeness in Jesus. As we go out and make disciples, we believe Jesus is going to be doing his work of shalom, bringing peace and wholeness to a broken world. So what does this look like? How do we walk this out? We, we say this way, we hope and pray by 2032, so that's in eight years from now, that the following would be true of us. And what we're about to read, that we'd say by 2032, we pray this is accurate of our family portrait here at Peninsula Grace. First of all, we welcome those. We welcome those who recognize their brokenness and need for a savior to grow in grace as members of Jesus' body. Anybody walks through these doors, Anybody who walks into our lives, we would, we would throw our arms wide open and say, welcome fellow beggar. Let me show you where the bread is. Every member of Peninsula Grace is consistently engaged in, and these are the five areas we just saw in Acts 2, gospel-centered learning, reproducing discipleship, awestruck worship, compassionate community, and egoless servanthood. And again, we're not saying we want each and every one of you involved in these five programs. We're saying we want these principles to be lived out of every disciple in our body. We pursue discipleship for all ages and stages of life, specifically equipping parents as primary disciple makers of their children. We take seriously what's going on over there right now in Sunshine Park as seriously as what we're doing here. From the nursery to great-great-great-grandpa, we want disciple-making disciples at all ages and stages. And then we look at three areas, local, state, and then global. Locally, so we are growing by making and sending disciples of Jesus and sacrificially partnering with uh, church planting and revitalization efforts, that's churches who are like weak and dying or, or unhealthy, um, on the Kenai Peninsula. So there are, if you would drive in several different directions for 30 minutes from where we're at right here, there are over 20,000 people who don't know Jesus and aren't plugged into a church family. 20,000 in a 30-minute drive. We want to see that number shrink, amen? amen. We want to go, and we want to multiply our efforts. And this is why we, this is the, 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 the song we sang earlier. We take the gospel wide into a community that desperately needs Jesus. How? By taking it deep within our own church family. As we become healthy, we trust the Lord will send us wide. And then across Alaska, we are partnering with churches and organizations to see churches planted and revitalized where there is no gospel-centered church that many of you, you know, like in many village Alaska churches, or many Alaskan villages in particular, there is no healthy gospel preaching church at all, or maybe a few believers experiencing extreme isolation. This is a different, how do we, how do we step into that? Well, one step we said we want to take is we have a healthy, ongoing, mutually encouraging relationship with an Alaskan sister village church, and praise the Lord, we're already seeing this develop. 
uh, in, in the town of McGrath, and you're going to hear Pastor Brad. He'll be preaching on, on Friday night at the missions conference. Um, they have some really cool ideas of how to help take some sparks into Alaskan villages and how we can partner with them to maybe see a kindling, a growing of disciples and, and healthy churches in some of the hardest-to-reach places in our nation. And then, uh, globally, we are meaningfully partnering with and supporting and sending disciple-making missionary units, that's a mouthful, and church planters to reach the least reached people groups on earth. They say that right now there are still over 7,000 people groups, unique ethnic groups or language groups, that have never heard the gospel of Jesus or have no substantial church in their midst. We're called to go. And so we say we are helping take the gospel of King Jesus to every tongue, tribe, and nation. That is a God-sized mission, but we have a God-sized God. Amen. But then we zoom back in and say, okay, but what about me and what about today? What are some practical steps? Because Jesus is building his church, and he's given us jars of clay, the grace to participate in his building project. So what, what are just some, some next steps? Well, two things. Number one, grow deep. I'd, I'd exhort us to grow deep as a family of Jesus followers. Grow deep. And, and I would say it this way. Start where you are. Wherever you are in your journey, start there. But don't stay where you are. We are all in different spots in our journey with Jesus in this room. We have old followers of Jesus and new followers of Jesus and red followers of Jesus and blue followers of Jesus. And that just accidentally got political. Um, some of you are in a dry season. Some of you have a, have, a, have, a, have a sin hidden behind your back. Some of you are in a joyful, sweet, growing season with Jesus. Some of you don't know or aren't following Jesus at all. But I would say it this way, an apprenticeship or a following of Jesus is not about location, it's about direction. It's not about where you are, your location, it's about the direction that you're going from where you are. So the question I would pose is just what's one step, what's one little baby step we can take in the direction of following Christ's example? Maybe for you and what you're hearing, spirit's pressing in and it's checking out a community group or in the fall coming to welcome home group or, or maybe it's coming on Wednesday nights and seeing what that's about. Maybe it's putting together that list of three that you're going to commit to pray for every single day. Maybe it's just making one of those four to five friends. Maybe um, it is it's just being in the word with Jesus more consistently. Like whatever that next step is, and don't delay. Because what we said is you can't lead someone farther than you are yourself. Your growth as a follower of Jesus is for you, but it's beyond you. It's other, you can't help others grow if you're not also growing in the direction of Christ-likeness. We're called to grow together, not in isolation. To grow together as a family, and then we grow together to be able to add to that family, which is the second point. We also go wide as a family of Jesus' followers. And this is called sacrificing unto joy. As we're studying the Gospel of John, toward the end of his Gospel, Jesus' great commission in John goes like this. He said to his disciples, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. The Father sent the Son to the world at great cost, the greatest cost, the cost of his own life. But he sacrificed unto joy because he knew the sibling additions that would come on the other side of the empty tomb. And as the father has sent the son, his son is sending us, his bride, into the world, sacrificially unto joy, to add to that family. See, going always comes with a cost. It's a cost of our comfort, a cost of our time, a cost of our relationships. 
I mean, I think about that in our community group. Like the hardest part of being a, a sweet small group is growing and then planting new groups. And it's sad to say goodbye to friends. Like this was our um, first birthday party with Lucy. And our community group was there. And she didn't even want to sit with us. She wanted to hang out with Katrina. I'm like, well, fine, go live with Katrina. No, I'm just kidding. It's, it's cool. I love Katrina and my, my daughter. Uh, but no, we, so then, but then that group became the size where we needed to, we needed to become two groups. That was hard. Hard to say goodbye to some friends that we no longer get to have dinner with on a weekly basis and see as frequently as we do. But as we became two groups, we were able to double the amount of people who were able to experience this kind of joyful, kazoo-blowing community. There's sacrifice, but it's sacrifice unto joy. And, and this is what we want to see in our DNA. As individual followers of Jesus, in our small groups, and as a whole church, Because we said in our vision, we want to be a church that plants other churches. Because that's Jesus' context of growth for disciples. We're not in isolation. But that's going to involve raising up and sending out our best. Saying goodbye to friends, close family. It's sacrifice unto joy. Because there's an eternal reunion waiting for us, and it will all be worth it. Next weekend, Ross already invited us to join this, this weekend of, of, of hearing how God is already doing this across our state. And man, uh, we're gonna jo- we've joined this last year with a church planning network called Acts 29, 28 chapters in Acts. So 29 is the idea is continuing the church planting, uh, disciple making efforts uh, for, that we see in the book of Acts. And we're going to be hanging out with brothers and sisters from 15 different church plants and churches across the state who have that same passion and, and mission. And I'm so excited for this. We're going to have speakers from all over the state. Our new church planting uh, buddy, Ben, and and one of his friends is going to be coming from Sweden. He'll be sharing with us. He's actually preaching next Sunday as well. It'll be super exciting. We just, there's three of us that are actually just got tickets yesterday to go to Sweden in March. This is super exciting. But this weekend, we're going to be praying and dreaming and worshiping Jesus together. You and I have been called to go. I've mentioned my uh, old school Bible, Bible teacher, uh, Dunn Gordy, who said the first two-thirds of God's name is go. <laughs> go ye, right? <laughs> Terrible hermeneutics, but inspiring nonetheless, right? You and I are called to go into our homes. That's where we start. Across the street to our neighbors, across the hall to our coworkers, across town to the homeless, whether it be physically or spiritually unchurched across the state to those villages that desperately need to know Jesus, and across the the world to those thousands of people groups and individuals that don't know life in Christ. God is sending each of us. The question is where, right? Maybe he's sending you and your family to -to hard-to-reach places, again, across the street or across the world. We know, I mean, some of us are going to be ones of the the group that's going to go plant locally around here and say goodbye to worshiping together on a weekly basis. Some of us are going. We're, already, we're sending a family up to McGrath uh, this summer to, to plant roots with, with Brad Sturm. And, and then there are some who have said, uh, Jesse and Matthew Counts, who have said, we want to follow God's leading to go to unreached people groups somewhere around the world. And be sad to say goodbye to them. We look forward to the reunion and sacrifice unto joy. And don't laugh and think that it's not you. I kept saying, no, I'm never going to be a pastor. 
You remember that hypothetical family that I talked about at the outset? I want us to imagine, like, that's a hypothetical situation, but none of, no one of those scenarios is hypothetical, right? We all are experiencing those things or know people who are. And so to imagine the healing, redemption, and grace of our Lord Jesus in those places, to reconcile relationship, to offer forgiveness where there's deep, hidden sin, to free, to, to, to reunite parent with child, to husband to wife, and for a healing family that's going deeper in the grace of Jesus to go wide and invite other friends into the process. That's the grace that you and I are called to receive and then to pass along to a broken world that's in desperate need. So let's, let us go together mm, so that we can go mm, and invite the world around us to follow our messy, slipshod example of following Jesus as we endeavor by his grace to love actually. Father God, we thank you that you sent Jesus into the world to offer us shalom, wholeness where there was brokenness in our own hearts and with the people around us. Lord, thank you that you've invited these jars of clay into this beautiful work. And we pray that we, the former beggars, would just simply start to faithfully point others by our lives and by our words to where that bread is. Would your Holy Spirit be faithful to guide us in the next step of following Jesus? We want to collectively worship you. And as we love one another, that you would add to our family daily those that you are saving. The God-sized mission, but God, you are infinitely powerful, wise, and loving. So we just surrender our lives to you as an act of worship, trusting that whatever you call us into, that by your grace, you are going to accomplish for your glory. So we worship and we go wide in the name of Jesus and all God's people said.